exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you. Also with a special guest in-house, James Akers back. He took last week off, but he's back because we had to have him on here after the Michigan-Michigan State game. James, how you doing? I'm doing great. Great. And Megan, always lovely co-host here. Megan, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good? Not yeah. great? I mean, it wasn't the best, honestly. I, I was excited for the game, but, yes. um, I mean, other things happen in life, and sometimes it just kind of shadows things. Definitely. Um, <laughs> sports are always not the most important thing, of course, going on. But I, I really hope all of our listeners out there had a very nice weekend. Um, you know, it was quite windy and such, but the weather really actually wasn't too bad. It didn't rain on Saturday. It could have been a lot worse. But, um, yeah, a lot to get to on today's show. It's been a busy, busy weekend. Good, bad, ugly um, we have got it all this week. Uh, we'll definitely be getting into Michigan State and their victory over Michigan uh, this past Saturday at Spartan Stadium. Delving into that and Michigan State's uh, upcoming opponent here, Wisconsin, which is going to be, I think, a bigger game, actually, in some ways in this game this last weekend. Uh, we'll also get to some of the other college games around the country, kind of what went on there. Definitely be getting into our Detroit Lions, guys. Uh, Lions suffering their first loss of the season to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, get into that. They're playing the Falcons this upcoming Sunday, so a lot to get into. We'll also be talking about our Detroit Tigers, um, unfortunately making an exit Saturday night uh, from the ALCS, losing in six games to the Texas Rangers. Delve into that. We got Red Wings for you. They're 4-0 right now. Megan's got NASCAR. Uh, we'll definitely be getting into the situation that happened out in Las Vegas with IndyCar uh, later in the show. Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893. You can call in all show because we have a lot to discuss Love to hear your opinions. But uh, we are going to start with Michigan State and their victory over the Wolverines. Um, this game was played this noon, noon, uh, noon o'clock. Yeah, that sounds right. It was played at noon this Saturday here at Spartan Stadium. And, uh, you know, this was a game that was tied 7-7 seven to seven going into the half. Um, you know, very, uh, you know, I'd say a closer game in the first half, hands down. But the Spartans defensively and had enough in offense to get it done. 28-14 to 14 is your final score here. Uh, another victory for the Spartans. This is four in a row now for Michigan State over U of M. And this is the first time that it's actually ever happened since 1959 to 1962. Ties the longest streak that we've ever had. It's only happened three times before, 1934 to 37, and then 1950 to 1953. So to say the least, it's been a while, without a doubt. But congratulations, first and foremost, to our Michigan State Spartans. Hands down, congratulations to Antonio and everybody there. Uh, they did a great job. They were resilient. Uh, found out how to run the football, uh, you know, and that's incredible. The season best, 213 yards rushing the football. Fantastic. Edwin Baker running for 167. I think something that we all looked into and worried about. Can the Spartans run the football? Uh, we haven't seen much success of that, at least not against good opponents. But when it comes down to it, Michigan State's defense and learning how to run the ball, it got it done. Michigan State had seven total sacks, also 10 tackles for a loss. Held Michigan to only 250 total yards and only gaining 82 yards on the ground, which was a great job. And talking about holding one of the most electric players in college football, Denard Robinson held him to 42 yards rushing and only went 9 for 24 passing with 123 yards and a pick. 
his worst rushing performance as a starter, and his worst completion percentage as a passer. Only passed for 37.5% completion rating. Now, I'm going to start with James, just because we have the Wolverine here to my right. Um, you know, sorry, but not really. Um, wh- what did you take away from this? As a Michigan fan, what did you see that was really the defining factor for why Michigan just could never get ahead in this game? Uh, Michigan State's defense was just far too strong. I mean, I knew going into the game that they, that they were going to play a good game. I didn't expect them to play that well. Um they were tenacious, man. They just uh, they were ball hawks. I mean, whatever they needed to do to get to the quarterback, they did it. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, seven sacks and, you know, ten tackles for a loss. I mean, Michigan State's defense just, I mean, they locked it down. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to Denard, do you think this is, more, this is more or less a performance because of our defense? Or did you think maybe, I mean, because, look, he usually could always rush the ball. You know, even if he has good trouble through the air, he always can rush the ball. I mean, what do you think? Was it just that defensive line that just did not let anything, you know, get going? I think the majority of it was the defensive line. I mean, going into the game, I talked to you about it. I mean, their defensive line is humongous. These guys are, are just huge. And yeah. they know how to play football. They're good, quality football players. Um, but I also think that uh, the coaching for Michigan, um, they didn't make a lot of plays. They didn't make a lot of uh, calls that would create a situation where Denard can create something. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they did, the defense was there to stop it. Defense was there to stop it. So, I mean, that's four in a row. How does that make you feel? I, I just have to ask a Wolverine fan. I mean, that's four straight for Michigan State. I mean, are we at a point with winning four straight where, you know, obviously we're no longer little brother. We're more or less on the same level. If not right now, Michigan State is, you know, has eclipsed Michigan for these last four to five years. I think in this- talent level, at least. Not to say Michigan will never get back there because I know they will. But just saying in this short run, I mean, Michigan State, the superior football team over the last four years. Yeah, Michigan State is right there in the argument with Michigan. I mean, you can't say that Michigan is any better than Michigan State. I mean, no. they've proven it over the years, the past four years winning. Um, the recruiting has been has been tremendous for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you got to give it to them. I mean, they, they've just been there and played real good football the past four years. They really have. Now, Megan, I'm, I'm guessing you're at this game, right? Uh, yeah, if you can't tell by how I'm talking right now. Well, I mean, I'm talking, I'm trying to not <laughs> be as bad. It's, yeah, my voice as well, just it watching was, this game. I wasn't yeah. at the game, but I was watching it. And unfortunately, the direct TV signal kept going out at times. We really? were, you know, we were at the tennis courts. There was a TV there, back of a truck, you know. And but it that's kept, why. Well, of course that's why. I know that's why. You rigged it up like a bunch of I did. I didn't rig it up. Friends of ours. I don't know. Like, they said, ah, oh, you got this 60-inch TV. It's going to be great. And did you say 60? 60? 60-inch, you know, in the back of a truck. Wow. And they had it all wired up, and it was, you know, a good picture. Everything was good, but I mean, it was keep... so windy that day. Yeah. And I, that had, I mean, there was a tent that went flying. Like, it hit some people because it was that windy. Gus came blowing through. Oh, yeah. I was in the North parking lot, and people had abandoned their tents that they brought. Oh, yeah. They were just in heaps on the ground because they broke in so many different places that they just... Well, <laughs> it's a smart thing to do because this one tent that went flying, it almost went right into the back window of a car. <laughs> it was just, like, parked right there. So, yeah, we took it down immediately <laughs> um, after that. But my point really was, was yeah. that watching this game it kept the signal kept cutting so it would be like oh okay it's seven nothing michigan or well now okay now it's seven seven you know you, know, and you, all you, score. you see the score and you wouldn't what happened how they do that oh well, baker ran, ran it in for a one yard td run yeah exactly all right great well uh-huh. i missed another 20 minutes and then it comes back but uh you know at being at this game obviously you know seventy seven thousand people electric atmosphere oh yeah um hands down 
I mean, how good did the Spartans look to you? I mean, did they really prove in this game that, you know, because I think we all have a lot of question marks regarding this team. Uh-huh. Had an all right enough win against Ohio State, but still too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, how good was this defense? Well, first off, um, all four years I've been here, they've won. So that's the cool thing was everyone was going around holding up their high foreign. That's what they were calling okay. it in the stadium. Their high foreign, everyone instead high fiving. But no, their defense looked extremely well. And the other thing I was really impressed with, with, with which. Wow. I was really impressed with was our rushing. And we've always been really good with our rushing, but it was really apparent how well they were doing during that game. Cousins still struggled a bit. I did see that every once in a while, but he got it done. They got it done. Yeah, I mean, his stat line is not anything to be very excited about. No. I mean, again, 13 to 24, 120 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, very efficient. Kind of like a Mark Sanchez stat line for uh, maybe a football game. It's not that, you know, it's it's low. Uh, but our passing and our defensive lines are like number one and number three in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. And that's insane. I mean, you go up against a Michigan team who hasn't won yet. You know, or who has won all their games. Wow. Yep. Has won all their games and just shut them down like we did. Like, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. And we are known for our, our defensive line. Oh, no, without a doubt. We are definitely known for that. And, uh, you know, if you want to go to any of the negatives here, and, you know, I mean, you always have to, and this is what we're going to touch on here, because, I mean, I think overall, I think this was a more resounding victory than even maybe, I don't know, they're so comparable. Uh, You look at last year in Ann Arbor. Again, it was a 14-point win, 31-17. I just think defensively, I mean, offensively, we didn't look as sharp, but we ran the ball effectively, burned the clock up, and the defense looked just, like you said, tenacious. It's probably one of the best words easily to use for that. But penalties, and anyone that watched this game can really kind of see, I mean, it's a rivalry game. You know it's going to be physical. You know these guys are going to be so amped up. And, you know, you might have some dirty kind of plays at times. You know, guys going a little too far. But 13 penalties for 124 yards for Michigan State is really unacceptable. Oh, yeah. Um, Very unacceptable. And uh, I think William Golston will be the name that I think a lot of Michigan fans, I think a lot of Spartan fans will be discussing. And let's just hope and pray that he does not get suspended for this game against Wisconsin. But I'll start with you, James. Should he get some kind of suspension? Because what happened, you know, he got the 15, uh, 15-yard personal foul penalty, uh, you know, for grabbing Denard's face mask, you know, ripping him to the ground there in the first half. And, you know, it was a bad face mask. You know, shouldn't be doing it, of course, but he's a sophomore kid, made a mistake. And then you look in the second half, and that's when things got a little more, I don't want to say chippy, because people always love using that word these days, chippy, but it did. And uh, he punched, uh, who was it, Liwan, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys... What do you think, James? Does this guy deserve a penalty, or was it just kind of emotional emotional moment? And we'll kind of we'll overlook it, we'll let it go, you know, type thing. I feel like it's something the team should do about it. Um, okay, you, you, I mean, being a coach, you don't want your, your players to think that this is okay. Um, I mean, I, I watched that entire play go down, and I mean. It was a little bit of both of their faults. The offensive lineman for Michigan kept planting his face in the ground after the block. Yeah. And, and on the next play, that's when he got punched in the face mask. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the team should come, should step in here. Maybe the coaches step in here and say, hey, you know, you're going to do a little extra on the side and a little extra work. Or maybe you're going to miss a few plays. Maybe uh-huh. you're, you're going to sit the first quarter of the next game or something. I mean, it might hurt his team just a little bit. But, I mean, you got to get the point across that that's just not welcome. Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, Megan, yeah, how serious should we take this? I mean, honestly, because I mean, this was a problem because this is a part I missed because DirecTV, which I hate now, like just was cutting out. But I mean, what did you? I mean, what, how bad did it look? Uh, it was on the other side of the field, both okay. of them. So I mean, I was in the end zone on the south side, 
and it was on the north side of the field when we were going the other way. Um, from what I saw, I did see a couple of replays about it. And, you know, the thing is, I don't want to say it's okay because this is how football works, but things like that do happen. Adrenaline does happen. Like he said, um, you know, coach should do something about it. I don't think, like, NCAA should be like, this guy is going to be suspended for a game or anything. I don't think they're going to take that kind of action anyway. But I think just, like, they should, or, um, they, I, yeah, like you said, sit out like a quarter. Sorry, like, you can't play this quarter. Um Think about what you did. You can't be doing stuff like that. He is young. Oh, yeah. He is young, but the thing Definitely. is you need to... The only way he's going to learn is if you do something to correct it. Because if you don't do anything, he's going to be like, oh, coach thought this was okay, so... I probably obviously doesn't think he's okay, but he's probably like, oh, I can get away with it. Uh-huh. I'm young, so, I mean, yeah, do something about it. Like, D'Antonio should step in and be like, sit out the first quarter against Wisconsin. Something, I mean, and yeah. like, even if it's not sitting out a quarter... Some kind of, you know, these guys have all kinds of different privileges and stuff. Just something takes something away. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something like that. It doesn't even have to affect game time. And yeah. although, although he is young, I mean, he he has family members who've played in the NFL, who've played college And that's football. the thing. Young is, it's it's an excuse, but it's still very weak. Because yeah. you've played this game for as many years. You Probably since you were, honestly, around 9, 8, 10 years old, you've been playing football. Yep. You know you're not supposed to punch anyone. I'm sure as soon as he got home, his family members, you know, smacked him upside his head and said, what are you thinking? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> And, well, no, real quick, here's a, here's a quote from D'Antonio regarding the situation. He says, quote, you have to play this game a little bit angry, regardless of who you are playing. If you go out there and think it's going to be soft, it's very difficult to win. It's extremely difficult to win. You don't really understand what goes into that and how hard and how well-coached the opposing team is. Michigan is a well-coached football team, and it's very difficult. It doesn't just happen. But you have to bring your A game, and you have to bring your mentality, end quote. Um, he's just standing up for his player. Again, I guarantee you he will get an earful from Coach D'Antonio. But nonetheless, punching, I don't care what it is. You can push guys and get that kind of, you know, jazzed up. And the refs will come right away and they'll split them right up. You can't throw punches. They just can't. I mean, I guess in football it's not as bad. Because usually these guys punching, the guys get hurt more than the guy taking the punch. You know, exactly. it's a guy, oh, you're going to punch a helmet. It's like, ah, my, my hand. You know, darn. Or, you know, I'm punching a shoulder pad. So it's not like basketball. Well, it's okay. this is kind of off topic, I guess. But did you guys know that they got to keep all their pro combat stuff? Did they? Yeah. Did not know yeah, that. they got to keep their shoes, their jerseys, their helmets. And that's when they, because my parents were tailgating in the North parking lot and they were carrying out their helmets and stuff. And I was like, are they going to be able to keep this? Or those? And everyone's like, no. And then I just found out today that they got to keep all their stuff. Yeah. So that those was, Michigan I, jerseys were pretty ugly, though. Ah, uh, thank you. They were. Because Michigan great. people are like, oh, yeah, jerseys. And I'm like, oh. Mm. The yeah. ones against Notre Dame looked all right, but these ones just. They looked, I like they looked the ones like against Notre Dame. Yeah, they did. They looked like bumblebees. <laughs> and, you know, they got beat up like bumblebees. I, I don't know. I like the pro combats. I don't know about you guys. No, I definitely did too. I think they look cool. I'd like uh, to see them stick with the helmets. Maybe go back to the original jerseys the rest of the season. I like the shoes those too. Those helmets really, uh, they have a warrior look to it. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's what they were going for because everyone was saying, you know, oh, why is it gold? They look like Baylor. The they look like Notre Dame. Yeah. But it was their old colors and they do exactly they look like Spartans. Mm-hmm. They look it. like, you know, okay, movie 300. To go back to Spartans, yeah, it's, it's bronze, by the way. It's bronze. It's bronze. Not gold. That's what the Spartans it used is. to fight in is bronze. Yes. <laughs> it was bronze. But you know what? You're looking at Michigan. Any of the players from Michigan, like at least the guys that they have gotten quotes from, these guys aren't, you know, they're not trying to say, oh, yeah, it was cheap. Michigan State played dirty. No. These guys, I have a lot of respect for them. Defensive tackle Mike Martin says, uh, quote, we know what type of game this was going to be. It was going to be a tough physical game. Coach kept talking about keeping our poise and composure as a football team. And I think we did a good job on the side of that, end quote. And same with Jordan Kovacs, you know, Michigan safety. He says, quote, you know, regarding whether it was a dirty, you know, dirty game. No, I don't. 
You know, says I played in this game before, so I know how it goes. And I think they were definitely more physical. They pounded us and ate us up. End quote. I mean, I respect that honesty. Yeah. Because a lot of guys could, you know, it, it could be an easy out to say, yeah, yeah, Golson, he was dirty. And then, that, you know, that Marcus Rush throwing down, you know, uh, you know, Dernan Robinson towards the end of the game, that was kind of dirty. But it's a robbery game. Uh, yeah. A lot of it's it's funny because it's not saying James over there because he's he's had nothing to go, say but good things. But a lot of the <laughs> Michigan fans are taking they're actually saying the only reason we won is because we played dirty. Really? There's a YouTube. Video. Oh, what? Like, uh, well, you're gonna if you go on. I mean, I don't care about Michigan fans as much because they're gonna, they're gonna say that. Oh, I know. It was just because it's the rivalry thing, but it's it At was least... funny because someone posted a YouTube video and it was like Denard helping out Michigan State players after they got knocked down and then. The only ones I show of Michigan State is Golson, like, like face masking someone and then punching someone. Punching someone. I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a heated rivalry. It's yeah. exactly. Happen. It's going on forever. And I mean, I just what I hate when the word thug gets thrown around when it comes to these types of plays. I hate it. I hate. Oh, he's a thug. I used it a little bit. <laughs> you, you, a little bit. A little bit. The problem with thug is that, and this, I'm not trying to be racial with this, but I think if it's a white player and he does something like this, it's not thug. It's not thuggish. It's something where it's more along the lines, he lost his control of his emotions, blah, blah, blah. But if it's a black player that does something like this, I think it's easy to throw that connotation of thug out. I think you get that even throughout all of media in general with black athletes doing something like this, getting a lot more bad backlash than if, let's say, it was, you know, uh, you know, a white athlete doing it. I just, you know, I th- you know, if Kirk Cousins lost his cool for a second and threw a punch... I just don't think people are going to be as well, he's Kirk Cousins is a thug. Like, no, he's not a thug. He just lost control of his emotions for a minute. But it's William Golson, and he's a thug. I just, I think it's kind of stupid. I, I, it was a wrong move. It was a, you know, it was a mistake. But I haven't seen anything else from Golston all season that would tell me he's a dirty player. Just like in Sue, I don't believe he's a dirty right. player. I think he plays the game differently. You know, he plays it with a certain type of you know just emotion and you know aggressiveness that. You know, sometimes certain guys aren't used to that. I was really surprised not to see that uh, that touchdown, the last touchdown after the interception, the pick six, uh-huh. to be not be called back to the ten yard line after that taunting play. I mean, I understand the game was over; they were going to lose regardless. But I really feel like they should have brought that play back to the ten yard line after the taunting. That's the rule. Yeah, that is the rule, and I, they, I agree they should have because that is the rule, and we've seen it already happen a couple times in all of college football. You can't do that. I mean, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. No, it Regardless, wouldn't. it would have been a win. But you know, but you, you uphold you uphold to, the rules, right? You uphold the rules regardless of what time it is. And this, is, you know, you say it in all sports. I don't care. You you rough it the same way in the first minute of the game and the last second of the game. It doesn't change no matter what. But overall, great job, Spartans. Um, I still think Michigan. Hey, you know, you guys, you're gonna have a better year this year. I know you guys will. You have a bye this week. Then you get to play Purdue. You're gonna win that game. Uh, you have a lighter schedule, and you know. Again, Michigan is going to be getting better. You can already see it this year. They're better than last year. They're better than the year before that. I think Hoke is going to be around to stay for a while. And yeah, I agree with you, James. I do think Devin Gardner, where he obviously needs a lot of work. He's a young kid, but he's going to be the future. Oh, most definitely. Of Michigan football. And when all is said and done, be more successful than Denard Robinson. I think so. Most likely. I mean, when it comes to pure numbers, maybe not. But when it comes to wins, when it comes to doing what you need to do to win ball games, Because Kirk Cousins, well, he threw for 120 yards. Only threw the ball 24 times. I but, don't know what Devin you know, Gardner was thinking, though, in that, that last play for Michigan where he was just running in circles for, like, 40 yards. Yeah, I remember. Didn't even know what he was doing, it seemed like. It did look pretty stupid. It really did. It really did. But um, 
Yeah, the next game here for our Michigan State Spartans is going to be taking place this Saturday at Spartan Stadium. Back-to-back home games. This will be a homecoming for MSU. Game will be kickoff 8 p.m. It's going to be a night game under the lights. And actually, like I was saying earlier, I think this game, I mean, that last game with Michigan, that's more of obviously a rivalry. That is our biggest rivalry, Michigan State's. That's the biggest game of the year, rivalry-wise, but importance-wise, this game against Wisconsin is gigantic. Um, actually, College Game Day is going to be coming to Michigan State, uh, Michigan State's campus. Uh, they have not been here, uh, I believe, since yet since 2005. So it's been a long time since they've come here. But they decided, hey, you got Wisconsin and Michigan State battling it out, five and one versus six and zero. Oh. Wisconsin on top of the leaders' division. You know, Michigan State on top of the Legends' division, only team without a conference loss. It's going to be a heck of a ball game. Is going to be something else. Wisconsin, number four in the country, um, absolutely dominant. When you want to talk about offensive prowess, they rank third. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They rank first in the country in scoring offense, 50.2 points per game. Very, very impressive. And they're number three in scoring defense, only giving up 9.7 points per game. So Wisconsin, offensively and defensively, something else. Wisconsin holding their opponents to rushing yards. They rank seventh. And eighth in total offense, they are dominant. Okay, this team has a, they're great offensively. Let's just be honest. They are really great. But you look defensively, Michigan State, they did drop to number two in total defense. Um, Alabama is number one, but we're talking about two yards per game as that difference. And Alabama is world's, just the world, the SEC in general. They're, they're world's above us, let's be honest. It's Alabama. <laughs> but, um, you know, Megan, looking towards this game, I think we if we think we've looked back two weeks ago, I think a lot of us are shaking our heads saying, Yeah, Michigan State could lose three out of four games here in the month mm-hmm. of October. They could lose to Michigan, they could lose to Wisconsin, then lose at Nebraska. And you know, you you almost could see it unraveling potentially. But what does it mean for this team to win this game? And even if they don't win it going forward, because again, they're still at top of the Legends division, to beat Wisconsin would almost guarantee themselves a bit at least in possibly the title game, with at least the talent they have to play the rest of the season. I mean, how important is this game? This game, lose, win or lose, is yeah. so important to them. The thing is, if they lose, they need to lose with dignity. Lose good? Yes, lose good. Lose well. Lose mm-hmm. well. It's like an oxymoron. Anyway, they just need to lose extremely well. <laughs> because uh-huh. they need to lose to the point of they they tried their hardest. They gave it everything they got. They looked good, just Wisconsin was better. Yeah. That's the thing. And you know what? I, I want to say MSU will beat Wisconsin like we did last year. Wisconsin yeah, yeah, is... With 34 and 20, we beat them 34-24. Wisconsin's good this year, though. And I think they yeah. got good a lot earlier than they did last year. And, I um, and you know, if they win, holy cow, that would be like, I just hope they don't get too big of egos. That's all I can say. I wouldn't think so. I no. think if they beat Wisconsin, I mean, this team's grounded enough. They had a tough loss in South Bend earlier in the season, which I do think kind of was a reality check for the team. And, you know, you just beat your rival pretty handedly. Defense, you know, just looked amazing. Mm -hmm. You have another home game. You know, I mean, Wisconsin has not won in East Lansing since 2002. It's been a while. Um, they have, they, last time they won, it was 42-24 was your final. We lead the series over of all time, 28-21. to That doesn't really mean a lot. But uh, the line, actually, for the game from Vegas, Wisconsin by seven. Um, even though we're at home, they're still giving Wisconsin a touchdown lead um, here for this game. James, looking at this game, what's the most important thing for Michigan State to do to try to, in some way, tone down Wisconsin's offense? I know we have a great defense, but their offense is it's, you know, it's sublime. I'd say it's that defensive line. I mean, if they can create the type of pressure that they created against Michigan, 
this is this game's going to be up in the air. I mean, that that's everything. I mean, if you can get into the backfield and and mess up the the timing between the quarterback and the running back, or just the quarterback himself, the hiking the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, I think that Michigan State needs to go into this game thinking that it's the first game of the of the season. Nothing before this mattered, nothing after this matters. Mm-hmm. This is all that matters. I mean, this game is huge. They they have got yes, to play is. very well. They've got to play sound football. Uh, everything that they've, you know, that they have learned from their mistakes earlier in the season, they need to show it in this game. Yes. I mean, they do. This game, you know, like I said, it's going to be something else. Because if they win this game, I can easily see them going to Nebraska and winning that game. I think Nebraska, without Jared Crick, their defense, they give up too many yards, uh, way too many yards a game. Looking at Nebraska, I know that's a week from this. But this game alone is the biggest game of the year, um, hands down, for Michigan State and in a lot of ways for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's already played Nebraska. They've already beat them, and they beat them handedly. Um, can they come into Spartan Stadium coming on the road? Um, it's easy to play in Camp Randall when you're the Badgers. They, they are amazing in Camp Randall Stadium. They're, they are phenomenal. Can you come into East Lansing like you couldn't do last year and win? It's important for both programs. And it could. I think it could blaze a trail for Michigan State to easily be competing you know, for the you know the title in the title game against either Wisconsin or Nebraska, someone like that. Honestly, I mean, that's who you probably face again. We have we have a good chance to face Wisconsin twice this year, um, and that's why I think, like you mentioned, Megan, I'm not trying to already say, okay, well, if they, it's okay if they lose, but if they do lose, like you mentioned, don't get abused, don't get blown out on a national stage. You know, you have college game day coming. Everyone is going to be watching this game. People are going to be really in tune. I think they're really going to like this game. You know, Spartans are one in three in college game day. You know, that's the record in game day games. So we'll see how they look. Real fast, do they win? Do they win, Megan? MSU? Do they win? Is it it's a win or a loss? I think it's a loss. I think it's honest. a loss? Mm-hmm. All right, James? I, I think it's a win. Um, one, I want them to win. I mean, seeing that they just beat Michigan. It would, <laughs> that, it would help your case. It little. would look better. <laughs> just a little. Um, and two, I just, you know, coming into Michigan State, it's, it's not easy to win there. I mean, the no, fans it's not. are pretty... Pretty uh, strong-willed. I mean, they 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 cheer loud. Um, I mean, they're in there the whole game. Although some people do leave at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, some people. But like I said, as long as their defensive line can dominate um, their offensive line, I see this as a win. I mean, single-digit win, real close. Oh yeah, really close. Really man. close. Really close win. All right. And you know, you so you said loss because mm-hmm. I had this as I don't know. I had this as a loss earlier in the season. I hate changing picks. I hate it. But it, it's it, things change. And that's the problem. I mean, my gut tells me to pick Wisconsin. My heart tells me to pick Michigan State. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm going to honestly have to go with Wisconsin. I, I don't want to, but I do think, I mean, Michigan State, they beat Michigan yet, you know, rivalry game. But Michigan had never, they really hadn't played anybody yet. They played Northwestern and Notre Dame. But Wisconsin's a different monster. And I think Wisconsin is, hands down, the best team in the Big Ten. They should win this game. If Michigan State pulls this win out, it is an upset, hands down, and one that will propel you the rest of the season. I'm still going to say a loss, a close loss. I won't be surprised either, either way. I think it will be a lower-scoring game, you know, somewhere in the you know, 24-20, 28-24. That's low-scoring these days in college football <laughs> for everyone. And um, it could go either way, man. They really got to stop with the penalties, though. The penalties, and, you they know, that's the, you do that against Wisconsin, they will eat up that field position. Oh, yeah. And all it took, I mean, honestly, this game was still very close for Michigan State and Michigan. It was tied at the half. 
They didn't bust it open until the third quarter, really. And one was, you know, he had a pick six in there. And still, you know, Michigan Michigan couldn't, you know, capitalize on a few things. But Wisconsin's <laughs> a way better team. They have a way better running game. Don't trust me. are not going to rush for 42 yards. Not Wisconsin. Not with White out there and Ball and Clay. They have so many, so many, so many pieces that, you know, Michigan State needs to equalize, you know, that rush, rushing attack. And I think it's going to be a game of inches here. And that's why I say they need to dominate those trenches. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, they, they definitely do. And if they can, then uh, they're going to mess up the timing between the quarterback and the running back. And, and that is going to create a situation for turnovers. It'll be nice. It's going to be a huge game again, guys. 8 o'clock on Saturday night here at Spartan Stadium. Homecoming here. If you're not doing anything, I don't know, get work off or come down. It should be fun, uh, without a doubt. But a uh, little news. Uh, MSU punter Mike Sadler gets weekly uh, the Big Ten honor. He was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Um, Sadler averaged 41 yards on five punts in this victory over Michigan this last weekend. And he put one punt inside the 20-yard line. Long punt of 45 yards. Um, he's a good punter. Doing a good job, so congratulations to Mike Sadler on getting the Big Ten Freshman of the Week award. Uh, real quickly, before we take a break, uh, the new uh, Top 25 standings came out. LSU still at number one, Alabama two, Oklahoma's your three, Wisconsin four, Boise State five, Oak, Oak State six, Stanford is seven, Clemson eight, Oregon nine, and Arkansas is ten. Michigan State has moved up to 15th in the Associated Press poll, and Michigan has fallen to 18th as of this last weekend. Illinois still actually in the top 25 at 23 after their loss. And Baylor and Texas have dropped out of the top top 25. Now, do you see Penn State in there? Because I'm looking at one that says Penn State at 21. Which one you look at? Which is surprising. Uh, oh, that's you're looking at the BCS standings. Okay, yeah. And those are different. Michigan State's not even in the top 25. Oh, no, they are. They're 16th. Excuse yeah, 16th. Me. Excuse me, I miss, I, I miss saw that. I was just really surprised to see Penn State at 21. Well, they are 6-1. and one. The computers like them. The computers like them. And you want to look at the coaches poll. Actually, Oklahoma is number one in the coaches poll, and Michigan State in the coaches poll is thirteenth. Actually, the highest in the coaches poll for Michigan State. And same, uh, same with Michigan. Michigan seventeenth in the coaches poll. So the coaches like in Michigan State, and Michigan, actually. And uh, again, only Baylor and Texas fell out of the top twenty-five. So uh, still a lot of time left, obviously, in college football. Uh, we are going to take a quick break when we do come back. Just going to quickly recap some of the games that went on in college football here. And we're going to jump right into the Detroit Lions discussing their first loss of the season. We'll also get to our Detroit Tigers, Red Wings, NASCAR, IndyCar. It's going to be a packed half hour. Don't forget, phone number 517-432-3893. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Prime Time. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, 
back to exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, and James here with you. Got about a half hour left, so a uh, lot to get to still when it comes here. We're going to definitely be getting into our Detroit Lions real fast, and we're going to have to make it brief because we don't have a ton of time. Um, I guess anything interesting when it comes to college football before we jump quickly into the Lions. Um, LSU looking amazing, uh, beating Tennessee 38-7. to Alabama destroying Ole Miss 52-7. to um, pretty much no upsets. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, they won 59-7 to against Indiana, who's absolute trash. Oklahoma State beat Texas. That's why Texas fell out of the top 25. The Cowboys winning 38-26 to there. Um, really no surprises um, over the entire college football weekend. Um, I mean, I, I, didn't, I don't really see any here. I'm looking at the whole top 25. Other than Ohio State actually beating Illinois, I want to say that is something. Ohio State actually doing it on the road, winning 17-7. to So congratulations to Ohio State. I don't hear that too often. But it makes us look better. <sighs> Just does. But that's enough of college football. I'm tired of talking about it. Let's get into the Lions. All right, the Lions play this week. They were 5-0 and coming in here. You know, it's first time since 1956 this team's been 5-0. and um, Everyone thinking unbeatable in a lot of different facets. But uh, the Lions lose to the 49ers. 25-19 to is your final score. A game that was, what to say, sloppy in some ways, just not taking advantage of opportunities in the red zone. Um, the Lions just not doing that great, having four, you know seven three and outs, um, you know just not moving the ball around well. First loss for us. First, you know now the uh, Niners are five and one as well. Matt Stafford um, looking kind of erratic uh, at times. Didn't have a horrible game. Didn't have a great game by any means. He was twenty eight of fifty for passing at his lowest passer rating of the season, only an eighty six point five. Um, again, they just did, you know, special teams. They let Frank Gore rush for 149 yards, which was ridiculous. They got destroyed by uh, Ted Ginn Jr. in the punt return game. There's a lot of things you can go to, but you know, Megan, looking at this game overall, what do you think the reason is the Lions just completely fell short this week? They just didn't take advantage of their the yards they got. I mean, at the end, they had like 70 yards to go, and Stafford just like fell over. Like, you know, oh, that sack at the end? Yeah, and, you know, and it's just they didn't their, – their offense just looked, like, amateur, not even not even good. You know what I mean? Well, I think we need to credit Niners' defense as well. Yeah. The Niners have a really, really good defense. But, like but you said, red still, zone. Red zone the red zone is my thing. problem, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, they'd be about 10 yards out, 5 yards out, whatever, and they just kept getting stopped short, sacked. Uh, line of scrimmage, you know, that kind of thing. And then they go for a, a field goal. And I'm just like, you know, that's not going to win the game. Well, yeah, you got the ball on the six-yard line. You got to kick a field goal. That bothers me. Oh, it yeah. always does. It's what the Lions of old used to do many a time, is really have a nice drive and get down there. And then when it came to it, that it's always Jason Hansen kicking it in. Um, and, you know, in a game of in, in a game like this, which you knew was going to be close, I knew it was going to be close, and you needed to get, you know, every opportunity possible. You know, Matt Stafford getting sacked in the end zone, first time that's happened to us since 2008 when Orlovsky ran out of the back of the end zone like a scared child because, you know, because <laughs> Jared Allen was chasing him down. He didn't even know where he was. <laughs> but um, overall, I think it was a game that was more of a wake-up call for Detroit. Um, I don't even think it was necessarily a terrible thing. Of course, it would have been awesome to see Detroit still be undefeated. But I think it really puts things in check for Detroit. They can focus on playing football, don't have to worry about being undefeated, maintaining that for the media, for the national attention. Now they can just go out there and I think focus more. But James, looking at this game, I mean, what would you take away from it? 
You know, I was really aggravated by the fact that Detroit continued to just throw away first down plays. Yeah. I don't know if you saw Great it during point. the game, but Great it's point. like every time they had a first down, instead of, you know, maybe throwing one out uh, a 40-yard pass to Calvin Johnson or, or, uh, or someone else on the team, they would throw a short route out maybe four yards past the line of scrimmage to Javid Best or Nate Burleson or something. And I just didn't understand it. I mean, if you're going to come into a game knowing that their defense is as good as they are and knowing they're only going to allow you so many opportunities, yeah. why aren't you trying to, you know, do something with these opportunities? Wasted down. I mean, yeah. It just seemed like every time there was a first down, they were like, okay, it doesn't matter. Let's just, you know, do whatever. We still have two more downs after this. And and that's not the Lions football that we've seen this year. And that it just it really aggravated me. Well, no, that too. And I mean, I think it's, it, and this is why I had a feeling that whether it was against the Niners or it was against the Falcons, that the Lions were going to lose one of these two games these next two weeks, only because they still haven't put together a whole game and the Niners, as defensively solid as they are, with Frank Gore in the backfield, and just like even next week, I do think we'll beat Atlanta, but when you get these great running backs coming in, it you can really see how that's disrupted Detroit. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh did a really had a nice game plan, especially in the second half, I believe. And, you know, Alex Smith, he's not the greatest guy in the world out there. He threw 17 for 32, 125 yards, a pick and a touchdown. Nothing that impressive at all, but guess what? He let Frank Gore run wild, 15 carries for 141 yards. Um, You know, 203 total rushing yards for the Niners. Only 66 for Detroit. Just garbage. Um, You're not going to win ball games like that. And that's why I've been saying that's something that's going to catch up with Detroit. Can they stop the run effectively enough and run the ball? They showed it last week against the Bears. But, you know, still, it, it was only one week. More of an aberration. I don't think that was legit. Because the problem is, you see, the Lions have explosive plays. You see those explosive plays against the Bears. Javid Best running for, you know, they can have those moments of rushing. But what they can't do is pick up five to six yards when they need to on a down. It's always these two two yards, three yards. They can never, their average yards per carry is what kills them. And even when they have a lot of rushing yards at the end of a game at times, it's more because of explosive runs than consistently knowing how to run the football. And the fact that San Francisco had 15 penalties for 120 yards... And we still could not do anything. And we still could not win. It's just, it is frustrating there. We still, the crowd was explosive. It was electric. Five false start penalties. Now 14 false start penalties in the last two games at Ford Field. Which, give it all to the fans there. I mean, just being as loud and as, you know, ruckus as possible. I love it. That's great. I mean, you love the intensity there. Uh, Again, Matt Stafford didn't look too good. Great double coverage on Calvin Johnson all day. It seemed like they couldn't get anything out to him. Titus Young really couldn't grab the ball well. He had one decent catch. Beyond that, not too much. Um, You know what was nice to see? Instant replay actually work out correctly and the refs doing what they should do because we saw with the Burleson touchdown catch and even the Pettigrew catch, you know, the Lions could have been screwed again. Yeah, I would have thrown my TV out a three-story will, uh, window at oh, that yeah. point. I With mean, the Burleson one, it would have made oh, no lost. sense oh. to say that that wasn't a touchdown. I would have. Uh, it just you know it was just too reminiscent to last year. Exactly. I can't have this happen again. No. Like okay, we lose this game. We lost it on our own accord, and that's fine. We lost the game because we didn't play well enough, and they outplayed us, and that's fine with me. But if it's going to come, thank God Mike Carey was ref in that game because Mike Carey is probably the best ref in the NFL, maybe at Hockley. Those two guys, I love them. They, I think they're, they're some of the best refs out there. And they got the calls right. And I think these days with the uncertainty of the rule book, when it comes to the NFL every week, guys, you know, people like us who have been watching football, I've been watching my whole life, and I still, there's still a rule that Mike Perea comes on there and says, well, this is what it, well, who knew that? Right. No one knows that. I mean, look, look at San Francisco. I mean, uh, Harbaugh throws out a, 
a flag to uh, review a play that he couldn't even you review. You can't even review. And Jim Swartz like, I, I know the rules. You know, he's yelling across the field. But it's like, yeah, you know, the rule book's confusing. That's why, you know, trust me, when we used to watch football before, we didn't need to have a little Fox analyst and the, every time they challenge in a play trying to explain to the common folk what the heck's going on. Right. And that's why I think that it, this whole rule book is so, has so many gray areas. Uh, process of the catch. What does that even mean? You can interpret it in so many ways that I think they need to, at, at the end of the season, take another good look at some of these rules and think of something. Definitely. I mean, if the guy's caught a ball and puts it in one hand, I mean, that tells you this guy's got control. Or else, why, why else would he put it in one hand? Exactly. And he, he's, he's got a palm in his hand the whole way. He's, right. hold, he's just holding it there. Detroit needs to do something about those nets, though. They do need to move Yeah, those. he's almost like tripping in those Somebody's going to break there. their neck. Yeah, he's going to just slip in. Oh, there goes Calvin Johnson's ACL. Yeah, <laughs> last know? thing we need. Like, oh, that's terrible. Uh, but Calvin Johnson, I mean, he still did have a good game. He was targeted nine times, made seven receptions for 113 yards. Um, and talk about a quiet 113. I just something that... I know he had that one big play across the middle, but all game I was almost thinking they, they were getting after him. He still gets over 100 yards. Yeah. Um, very impressive. Again, Ted Ginn Jr. burns us up. Three punt returns for a total of 72 yards. Uh, it was that 40-yard return that actually led to the game-winning drive um, on that punt that we had. Um, and still, nonetheless, the Lions were one play away from stealing a win. They stopped him on fourth and goal. They win the game. And they still got the ball back twice with a buck 50 left. And they just threw away those first and they plays. And, three, and just boom, boom, and then before you know it, then it's a sack, and then it's it's just done. And they look lackadaisical out there. And I will say that on that final drive when they had a minute left, I know you didn't have any timeouts, but they looked bored. They looked like they went out there and had almost conceded it already. They didn't, It just didn't feel like that fire. It just didn't. But nonetheless, I think Lions bounce back from this. They play Atlanta next week. I think they get a win. And, you know, again, I think this is a reality check for the Detroit Lions. They don't have to worry about everyone on ESPN. Everyone's jumping on the Lions bandwagon. It's a lot of pressure, especially with a young team like Detroit who hasn't been used to success like this ever. None of these guys have. And I think it's a lot to undertake. It's a lot of pressure for yourself, especially even at home. I think there's more pressure on the Lions when they're at home in front of their fans. Right. Because they have a lot more to prove. You go on the road, whatever. You're not supposed to win on the road against Tampa Bay. You know, you're not supposed to beat, you know, Dallas on the road. You're just not supposed to. But We're really going to need those fans to show up in Ford Field for the Atlanta game, though. I mean, we need them to get get there and be loud. Oh, yeah. Be loud. Now, real fast, before we get to this, I want to ask our listeners this question. Regarding Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz, all right, this is the uh, handshake heard around the world, I guess. Um, everyone seems to be talking about it. After the game, Jim, Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz approaches Jim Harbaugh to shake his hand and congratulate him. Harbaugh comes in there like some boost-up frat kid and shakes his hand, slaps him on the back, and Schwartz did not like it. Kind of ran up next to him, a little bump, some obscenities uh, um, you know, had allegedly been said, and you know they got into it. I just want to ask, who do you blame more, Harbaugh or Schwartz, or is it 50-50? I mean, where do you think of it? 517-432-3893. You know, Megan, I, we all saw this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always a stupid way when this happens to end a game because let's talk about the game and let's not talk about a handshake that went awry. But what did you think of this moment that happened? Who are you blaming? <laughs> Honestly, um, both both to mm-hmm. blame. And I'll tell you why. Um, Jim Harbaugh, you know... Yeah, I, I can see where um, Schwartz is coming from. You don't come up, do a quick little handshake, 
slaps him on the back and take off jumping up and down, pulling your shirt out of your pants, you know, that kind of thing. I understand <laughs> you're excited and all that kind of stuff, and it does get the best of you sometimes. But the other fact is, we talked about this in class today, and I really agree with the person who said this, and it's like Jim Schwartz, when he wins, he does this big fist pump where he looks like he's going to fall over every time. Yep. You know, He gets excited, too, and I think every coach does get excited. But when it does come to the handshake, you get professional for a second. Then you go back to your team, you start jumping up and down and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think they're both to blame in the fact that Jim Schwartz probably should have just let it go instead of going after him and getting the whole team, both the whole teams involved. And I think the fact or the way that Harbaugh um, handled it uh, with the whole handshake slap on the back and taking off and jumping up and down, you know, could have been done a little bit better than that, uh-huh. a little more professional. Oh, definitely. James? Well, I think that it had a lot to do with earlier in the game when he threw the flag and he didn't know that he could um, – he couldn't um, have them review yeah, that play. And Schwartz, yeah, Schwartz was yelling over it, over to their bench saying, you know, at least I know the rules. I think that that was the start of it. But, I mean, this is a guy who has played college football for Michigan, who played football for both the Bears and the Colts. I mean, he's been in the league. He knows that you can't go and do things like that. No matter what the, the situation is and how hyped up you are, yes. you're running across the field, lifting your shirt, smacking our coach on the back. As hard as you can, it seemed like. You can't be doing that. I mean, I understand sometimes you get caught in the moment, but I, but come on, be a professional here. You can't tell your team not to go out and get dumb penalties and then after the game go out and do something like that yourself. It's true. <clears throat> that, now, that's a, that's a very good point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Harbaugh, I think the point, like you made, that he's been a player his whole life. And I think he, he has the mentality of a player. He's a player's coach. He's that exact kind of guy. He gets rowdy. He gets excited. He doesn't keep his composure well. Um, and, you know, he, this is his first time coaching the NFL. This is his first year. Um, you know, he's been a college guy before where it's a little different, of course. I mean, I'm going to – I think it's like more, you know, 60-40, you know, Harbaugh and, you know, Schwartz. I mean, Schwartz is still to blame. Um, I mean, not, not as much as Harbaugh, in my opinion, but he is still to blame. Schwartz did run after him and, you know, bump him. And, you know, at that point, maybe run alongside him, say your piece, and really just walk away real fast. But then they're just trying to bump in. We need the press to break your break you up. That's stupid. Um, the press shouldn't be breaking people up. Um, but here, here's what Schwartz had to say in his uh, press conference uh, this Monday regarding the situation. says, quote, it's a regrettable situation, particularly the fact that it detracted from what happened in the game. It is unfortunate that the end of the game overshadowed the fact that it was probably one of the best football games of the day yesterday between two teams that are 5-1 and one in the NFC and are both young and improving teams, end quote. Uh, he says again, it is unfortunate the game is played by the players on the field. We don't want things like that to occur, but there are competitive people in this league, and we need to do a better job of leaving it on the field, end quote. And uh, I guess from what I've know, what I've read, Jim Schwartz and Harbaugh spoke a little briefly in the tunnel once they left the field and said, you know, really, we'll talk later more about this. But again, I think it's something like this that gets blown up unnecessarily because it doesn't happen often. And I, I personally, I think it's stupid. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's a big deal. Why don't we talk? Yeah, he's right. Why aren't we talking about the football game? Who cares about a, a, a myth handshake? You see that with Mangini. You've seen it with Belichick. We've all seen it. And, uh, you know, what they did is that they interviewed a bunch of college coaches. And they asked them about the awkward post-game handshakes at times that, you know, a lot of these guys do. Brady Hoke says, quote, I don't know, I don't know protocol. That's a big word for me. You know, it's just what you do, end quote. 
That's kind of funny from uh, Brady Hoka. Mac Brown, head coach of the Texas Longhorns, says, quote, I don't think it should be a requirement for two that don't have respect for each other or like each other. Players usually handle it much better than the coaches, end quote. I disagree with that completely. Disagree with that one completely? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's see about Bob Stoops, Oklahoma. Quote, it can be awkward, but at the end of the day, it's about, prof- it's about being professional. Always consider the other guy and be a good sport about it. And whatever you are doing, try to do it the right way. It just gets down to being a pro about it, you know, end quote. And we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to read the other three. But I mean, the reason why I disagree with that is because... you I think mean, here, Here's a better question. Should, co- should coaches be... Should they have to shake hands? Because there's no rule stating it, but they all do it. Like, you know, basically like Mac Brown said, if, you know, there's two coaches that really hate each other, should they have to, you know, after a big game, go shake hands? I think so. I, I mean, growing so. up playing football, so? okay. mm-hmm. there was plenty of people that I played with that I really didn't respect. I knew them personally. I didn't think they were good people, you know, and I didn't want to shake their hands, but it's you can't teach. You, I mean, there's plenty of people out there watching these games. You can't teach these young people growing up that, oh, if you don't like somebody, you, I mean, you don't have to shake their hand. It's, it's a part of the game. That's something you're taught growing up. No, it definitely is. And I mean, I just think at times, I mean, I... I would understand if they're, I mean, and for most situations, I think, you know, coaches walk across the field, shake hands, but I, you know, about certain bad blood in certain leagues. And at times, you know, if you, if you think you might not act correctly, then maybe just walk on by. Yeah. If it's that emotional of a game and that emotional of a loss or win. Bite your tongue, shake his hand, hey. go to your locker room. At the end of the day, it's about class, to be it honest. Is. It really is. And it's just, but, it shows you as being a good person. Of course, but... You know, it's tough. It's tough. Of course. Um, real quickly before we go out to the Tigers, uh, unfortunately, Javid Best has sustained his second concussion of the year. Um, he got it after a one-yard run in the fourth quarter this last week. Um, yeah, he's got concussion-related symptoms. Also, um, Tony Scheffler missed a game because of uh, concussion symptoms and Justin Durant again. That's why uh, you had Maurice Morris in there at the end, towards the end of the, most of the fourth quarter because Best was out of there. But uh, nonetheless, and again, real fast back to the Lions, please protect the quarterback. He was sacked five times and hit ten times. And if that maintains, then you know what? It's not going to be Matt Stafford's fault that he's getting injured. It's going to be Gosner Chalice and Jeff Backus, who, don't get me wrong, has been with the Lions forever, but you're losing a step, buddy. You're losing a step. And uh, we are going to move on to the Tigers because we just don't have enough time. Uh, the rest of the NFL, pretty exciting, but you guys can look that up on your own. <laughs> but uh, we're going to move on to the Tigers. The Tigers... Played this Saturday. It was a huge day of uh, football, of course, college football all day. Everyone jazzed up for these Detroit Tigers. 8.05 start time. Anyone who was still awake after tailgating um, could watch this game, actually. But uh, the Tigers end up losing 15-5 in Game 6. Actually being spanked around in the third inning. Nine runs put up by Texas in the third inning to completely blow the game wide open. Um, The game pretty much lost in one inning, it felt like. And, you know, James, I just want to go to you. We all know that this team lost, okay? They lost. They're not moving on to the World Series. World Series are going to be this this Wednesday. Cardinals, Rangers. What do you take out of this whole season? Are you disappointed or are you, you know, what's your feeling left with? Because a lot of people could be sad. A lot of people, you know, hey, what a great season still. I mean, as you as a fan, where do you come from? I mean, I, I am a little disappointed uh, as a fan. But I understand that we got beat by a team who is just hitting on all cylinders. I mean, these these guys are, are good, They're, their entire lineup. Even a guy who went pretty much the entire playoffs and couldn't hit anything steps up just when he's supposed to and 
hits two RBIs. Yeah. And I mean, they're just they're a good they're a very good team. And unlike you, I think that they are probably going to win it all. And I hope that they do. Um, I'm just biased, dude. Screw Texas. I don't take anything. I'm I'm, listen, I think they'll probably win too. But the NL does have home field. Screw Texas. I, I'm not taking anything from the Tigers, though. I mean, they they played an outstanding <laughs> season. You can't blame anything on anyone. I'll tell you what, though. I think that if there was a few of the injuries that we had, I feel like if they were not there, we could see a whole other outcome. I mean, we were missing Brennan Bosch, who was a huge bat, who's got speed. He was our second leading stealer or base stealer yep. uh, on our team, and he can play the field really well. And then you, and then we were also missing Guillen, who was huge at second base. So, I mean, I'm not going to take I think so. I mean, I think if Guillen was playing at second base, though, if you look at these playoffs, he could have gotten to half the ball of Santiago. Probably got not. But he could have provided a bat. He could have provided maybe a better bat, yes. In some yes. situations. I mean, why do you think, Megan, they fell short here? Because we all know, yeah, lack of speed. Austin Jackson, right? Really the only guy that's got any you know anything for speed out there. What else is the reason? I mean, I see a lot of things. You look at rain delays. You look at the mm-hmm. awkwardness of Porcello pitching three games out of six here, you know, in the ALCS. You know, why did you – I mean, yes, Texas was probably the better team, but the Tigers still had a shot to win this series. Oh, yeah. Um, a, like you said, they showed up when they needed to. B, the bullpen needs yes. a lot of work. Yes. And that's the big thing, I think, that lost them to the game. How, by the time the third inning rolled around, they had been through three pitchers. How does that happen? Oh, Texas? Or no, or Detroit. Detroit. Well, Texas loved to use, they just, they were messing with their bullpen, too. I, it was the just, whole, it was, it was just, I think it was just a battle of the pitchers. I think when we were taking our pitcher out, it was because he wasn't doing well. And when they were taking their pitcher out, it's because they just wanted fresh Harmon. Oh, I know. And That's what it seemed like. The bullpen, um, another thing is, I don't know what it was, our big hitters, like Avila, um, Cabrera, all those guys, like, as soon as we got into the Texas series, they all just died. Well, like, Avila was dead hit. the whole time. Yeah, but, I mean, Avila was, but I mean, like, Cabrera, I mean, he had a couple of good home runs, but then, like, the rest of the time, it was like, he couldn't, he couldn't even, like, if that ball was five times bigger, I don't think he could hit it. <laughs> like, well, I mean, Cabrera's not a guy I'm going <laughs> to knock here. Um, yeah, Avila, yes. Avila had one solo shot, but he ended up batting .073 for the entire playoffs. So all, that's a total of 11 games. And, I mean, that's just that's just crap. Absolute crap. He struck out uh, 16 times. Jackson's the only guy that struck out more 19 times. Jackson batted 195 for the entire playoffs. You know, only three hits for Avila, eight hits for Jackson. And we're talking guys that are getting 41 at-bats. This is most, pretty much as many at-bats as you can get. Uh, in this eleven games, if for or, I mean, if Ramon Santiago and Rayburn can step in there and do it, come on, Avila, you got to be able to do it. I know, and I, I do believe that a lot it took its toll on him catching all the time and never getting a break. And I think that really came back to hurt him. And you know, you look at the starting pitching. I don't think these rain delays helped us at all. I think it threw Verlander off. I think it threw our whole rotation off. And even though that Texas had to deal with the same thing. I still think that it screwed up our rotation a lot more. And it just clutch timely hits. I mean, you look at a game, it's all tied up, walk-off grand slam, game two. You know, Nelson Cruz, just a tiger killer. Uh, you know, what can you do? A walk-off grand slam, he missed his pitch. It was a, that game right there, losing 3-2 to two in the first game after back-to-back rain delays that totaled an hour and 50 minutes, throwing everything off, had really, you know, it just really screwing things up there. Um, overall, though, congratulations to Detroit. I think they did a great job getting as far as they did. They're going to have most of their entire... They're going to have almost everyone back that you would expect to have back next year. Um, you know, Verlander signed through 2014. 
We got club control of Doug Fister. We got Max Scherzer still, Rick Porcello, um, Jacob Turner. He signed through 2013, probably looking to be the number five guy in the lineup. Valverde still with us till 2012. Ben Watt through 13. Um, the only guys not likely to return, at least they're saying Brad Thomas. Who cares? Um, Wilson <laughs> Betemit. Um, we'll probably get rid of him, Carlos Guillen, and unfortunately our boy Maglio Ordonez. It's time for him to retire. Well, of course it is. His ac- his ankle exploded again, so he can't play. I mean, but I'll really- tell you what, we got we have some of the most difficult signing already signed. All of our starting pitching, a lot of our relief pitching is signed, like you said, for the long haul. So I mean, it really looks. If we can go out and pick up a few more bats, we're going to look yeah, strong. You know, next Dombrowski year. will. You know, oh, we yeah. definitely will. Real fast because we're going to get to NASCAR here in a second. But uh, the ALCS on Fox between the Tigers and Rangers averaged a 4.4 rating over six games, down 20 percent from Giants Phillies on the same network last season for the NLCS. Um, just uh, not the, but I can see that. Uh, the, the, these these games run at like four o'clock. A lot of them, other than the first two, most of them, you know, three. Well, I guess half of them. Three of them run at like four. The other three run at like you know eight. And again, the rain delays did not. The help. rain delays made them real late. Made people disinterested. You're not going to stay up that late and watch you know these games if you're not really if you're not very much invested in these two teams. But still, I mean, like I've always said, my ALDS always Tigers Yankees. You know, I mean that's that was amazing. Because mm-hmm. that's always a better series, I always think, most of the time than whenever you get to the ALCS or even get to the World Series. It's always like that first round in the American League that's the best best round for baseball. But, uh, yeah, Megan, do NASCAR here for us. I'm going to do it quick because I really, really want to get to IndyCar within yes. these next few minutes. Yes. Um, they were at Charlotte last week, winner Matt Kenseth, um, top 10 Kenseth Bush. <clears throat> Those two were going at it for the last two laps, and then finally Bush just fell way behind. Um, Jimmy Johnson had a big crash, went straight straight head on into a wall with, I think, 18 laps left. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had Kenseth, Bush, Edwards, Kane, Ambrose, Harvick, Almendinger, Stewart, Hamlin, and Newman with, um, uh, we had Earnhardt Jr. in 19th. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of the chase. Um, Edwards first, Harvick second, Kenseth, Bush, Stewart, Kozlowski, uh, Kurt Bush is in seventh, Johnson, Earnhardt Jr., and Ryan Newman. That's your top ten for the standings of the with the chase right now. We are down to our last five races. That's um, it. Next next week's in Talladega, and as soon as they announced that, I all I could think of was Talladega Nights. I'm just saying. How can you not? And so yeah, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much more time on it. We only have three minutes, and I know we really really want to get to this IndyCar. Yeah, thing, let's go so. to this IndyCar thing right now. And um, yeah, with this Indianapolis 500 winner Dan Weldon, uh, you know this was one of the final races. Um, of the year at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and there was a 15-car crash that ended up killing driver Dan Weldon um, on the 13th lap. It's a very, it's a very tight track. It's an oval. It banks high. If you can, if you haven't seen highlights of it, these cars all get very clumped up together, and you have cars going 220 miles an hour. And Dan Weldon, what happened was, if one car makes the littlest of a mistake, it can create something like this, a catastrophic wreck, which is what happened. Wade Cunningham's car actually swerved a little bit on the track, touched J.R. Hildebrand, uh, Hildenbrand's uh, left rear tire, and it just started spiraling. It spiraled Weldon right into the right into the fence, right into the catch fence there, and he, he probably died instantly. Um, if anyone does not watch IndyCar, these guys do not... They, you know, they they're in a pod basically. They have a helmet on, so they're not like like a NASCAR where you're kind of in the car. You have your roll cages. You don't have that here, and it's just it's a very sad thing. Thoughts and prayers go out to the Weldon family. Um, hands down, this is a very sad loss. 
um, you know, for all of racing and exactly all of the thoughts and prayers go out to racing in general. You know, um, IndyCar and a lot of these guys, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, this isn't like other sports. There's usually, there's only like 25, 30 drivers all together in these sports that drive for years together. They know each other very well. And it's just, again, very sad to hear that. I just want to hear real, just get some reactions real quickly the last minute and a half here with you guys. Like, what do you think of it? I mean, I mean, obviously it's sad, but do you think there's something that needs to be done with this track? I, I don't feel like ovals should be... Should it be used? I don't think it should be used anymore. Not not an IndyCar? No. And that's that's the thing. Um, actually, they did a whole article. Jimmy Johnson said that he doesn't even think... This, this article is huge. He doesn't even think the ovals should be used. Um, he's just saying it's just so unsafe. They should concentrate on roads and everything. And the thing is, uh, when, I, when I saw the crash, I don't really watch IndyCar at all. When I saw it, I almost wanted to cry. Because it's like... Because you knew, you knew yeah. that somebody... Exactly, Probably and, and that's the th- yeah, and that's the thing. Um, you got lifted to the hospital. Thankfully, everyone else was okay and didn't have any injuries. He, well, he there's died. still people that had some injuries, yeah. but they're but not. They as like, bad. He died of blunt force trauma to the head. Actually, it was all head trauma. His head went right into the wall. Yep, and um, you know that's that's the thing. And it's like I just the, and then they say his two young kids and his and his wife. And it's like it's so. He was only 33 years old. Yeah, again, just came off the Indy 500 win. It's so crazy. And it's sad. Again, mm-hmm. quickly, all of our thoughts and prayers go out to the Dan Weldon family. Not trying to end the show on a negative note, but this is a major issue. Okay, this is something. That needs to be taken care of and that's why we need to respect our drivers out there that do these sports you might not think it's a sport but look at something like this last sunday and trust me it is uh, again i want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to our shorts show tonight again thank you megan james always a pleasure but uh we are going to get going the asian invasion is up next here again from everyone at the spartan sports wrap my name is dave frank i'm megan i'm james you guys have a great night out there You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.